Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we... Well, I usually say we pop up a new bottle of wine, but this time we twisted it off. We're going to twist off a new bottle of wine. And this week we are talking embracing what breaks us, Mm. how to conquer chronic illness with, we have a guest today, Amina Altai. I'm very excited to have her on. We're going to be talking with Amina about the challenges of living with a chronic illness, how to advocate for your health in the workplace, and how to nourish your body and soul. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't have a chronic illness, I'm going to stop you right there. Mm. Let me stop you right there. Because if you you are a person who has a uterus that bleeds every month, Uh you do. I I, think you do. I've had this revelation that you do every single month. People who have uteruses, we are in pain, we are bleeding, we are experiencing... I sometimes get physically ill, like nauseous. Yeah, like that's just a, a casual thing that happens every single month. Every, for a whole week. I think this one's for you too. Yeah. Because that's it, something we all have to show up to work and show up to our lives and overcome. Yes. Okay, so that part. So that part. And at the end of the episode, we're going to play a little unpopular opinion. Which is a fan favorite. That's a fan favorite. I know. I was like... I wasn't surprised, I guess. We put out that little thing on Instagram. Also, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. At <laughs> Am I Doing This Right Pod. And we said, what are your favorite games? And Unpopular Opinion. Was up there. And Citizens Arrest was a and big Citizens one. Citizens Arrest. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. But Nat, what are we drinking this little epi? I've, I noticed a twist top over there. <sighs> we love a twist top. Oh, God. I love a twist top. This is the Hitching Post Pinot Noir. Central Coast. It's a 2020, and it's in a cute little bottle. Oh, my God. That is a little bottle. That bottle is so cute. I have good faith in this one. Yeah. And I also, you know, when it's like two people, it's just good to have, you know, a smaller bottle. Yeah, it's not like a big bottle, guys. It's like, it's perfect for friendship. Yes. It's (laughs) a perfect friendship pinot. So we're just going to pour that. Also, this coming Sunday is Easter. For all who celebrate Easter. Yes. And I just have a little story that I just, whenever Easter comes around, I think about it and I'm like, I was this insane? Was this I don't know. I feel insane? like I don't know what you're talking about, but then I, I have heard most of your stories. Yeah. I think you, you know, you know this one. So when I was growing up mm-hmm. in my town, very small town, mm-hmm. very, very, very small, like less than, at the time it might've been less than 5,000 people. Jesus. Yeah. Really small. We would do Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we would do this thing called the Passion Play, where the entire town pretended to crucify Jesus. Okay. Have I told you this? No. So we would like get dressed up. I remember they put this like so sheet the, it on wasn't me. like a community theater thing or at the church. It was the whole town it just was did it. All of the churches. Mm-hmm. There was because for some reason that town has like six churches, mm-hmm. and they would all come together and like. You would literally go to each church, and there would be a new scene at each church. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Like an immersive play experience. Yeah. So, like, the roads were closed. Oh, wow. Because, like, it was, like, I remember following Jesus as there was, like, a boom oh. box with whip sound. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <laughs> kidding. My mom has this on VHS tape because you could buy it, you know, to support the churches, I guess. <laughs> so... There was a really big controversy 
uh, one of the years because they wanted a black man to be it. No, <laughs> no, because one of the other people. So there was Jesus mm-hmm. hanging. This is when they were we had crucified them. We're at the end of the play, and they're in there okay, like right. literally. We wrapped them in like a diaper, like with the sheet. Uh, okay, they're hanging up there, <laughs> and. One of the other guys on the other cross had nipple rings. Stop it. Yeah. And people were so furious <laughs> about nipple ring Jesus. Or no, not nipple ring Jesus. Or what? Did Jesus have the nipple rings? I'll have to yeah, watch the Yeah, because there were tape. other people that got crucified, right? Yes. Okay. But now I'm like, wait, was it Jesus that had the nipple rings or was it the other guy? Hmm. regardless, people were pissed. Oh, wow. And I just feel like, do other town? Ta- Listen, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, my town does that, can you let me know? <laughs> because I, I have never heard of a of a citywide... Passion uh, play. Passion play in which we're not checking if uh, people have ornated themselves. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how that guy got the role. My friend Desi's brother was Jesus a couple times. Vince, shout out to Vince. Uh, he was Jesus. What, what was your role? Did you have a role? I, I was only in it once mm-hmm. because usually I would just like follow along with the crowd. But I one time I just remember being at this church and they put a purple sheet over my head mm-hmm. and then put um, like a rope around oh, yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I so was you like, were a like a little commoner. I was like a little commoner. Yeah. Wow. With my little sandals. <laughs> How fun! <laughs> I know, I know. Small time, small town life. You gotta really get creative you because gotta, there's not much to do. There's not much to do. Also, this is completely unrelated, but I'm just very excited about it. Yeah, I'm giving this to you. <gasps> What's happening? She just pulled something out out of nowhere. <gasps> oh, I know what this is. I, I know. know what this is. This is the pr- this is a prototype. But is I- this tinted? It's a light, you know, you know it has to be a light shimmer. Are you okay, kidding so me? Nat- can I say what it is? Yeah. Oh, so Natalie is transforming, <gasps> is transforming her signature scent. Well, I mean, one of two, uh-huh. Blood Sugar Baby, into a lotion. And this is a prototype. <gasps> Ooh. It's good. Oh, it feels so good. It, okay. it has like a, it, it's like a. Looks tinted almost. Well, there's a very light. Oh my god, it smells just. It like, smells exactly. It like smells it. just like blood sugar, baby. And there's some. <gasps> I'm shimmering. It, it's not like glitter. No, it's no, like no. you just look glowy. <gasps> we love a glow. Yeah. Oh my god, it smells so good. But I wanted you to test it because you're, you know, you're sensey with like oh skin stuff. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll break out if, if this is not right. I and know. This feels good. So <gasps> I'm hoping. I'm like, I need oh her my to gosh. test it. Thanks, Nat. Do I yeah. get to keep this? Yeah. <gasps> Yes, oh you god. do. I have several more. Wow. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I can't wait for this to launch. I know. Well, it'll I think it'll be out by the time this comes out. Oh my god, it smells so good. Oh wow. Okay, I gotta not do that. It smells thing. just the, like the perfume. Yeah, right? I know. I just, I feel like I'm gonna do this the whole episode. We're gonna be talking and be like, what? Oh, superstar. <laughs> what did you say, Amina? Amina? <laughs> what? We should probably uh, we should probably move on to Amina. Speaking of which, yeah, okay. So we're talking to Amina today because we actually both, if you guys have not picked up on it throughout this podcast, we both have chronic illnesses. I have endometriosis. Natalie has type one diabetes and a, a little Ooh, seasoning celiacs. of as mm-hmm. celiac as well. And I feel like Nat, we bond so much over like our shared experience of having autoimmune disease mm-hmm. and like how that impacts our daily lives and. 
I also feel like, you know, even if you don't have autoimmune disease, like we said at the top, like, you know, being a person who has a uterus that bleeds, like that in and itself is something that is chronic that every month you have to deal with the ups and downs of whatever that is. And yeah. that does affect your daily life and how you show up and how you feel and your energy. Yeah. And I feel like Amina is going to be such a great person for us to talk to about how to navigate that and how mm-hmm. to show up to work our best selves and our lives yes. our best selves and also how to feel more connected with our bodies even yeah. when they're not feeling so hot. I'm not feeling so hot. Yeah. I'm excited. So I'm going to intro her, Amina Altai. Isn't that the coolest name? It's a great Amina name. Altai. She's a holistic leadership and mindset coach, proud immigrant and chronic illness advocate, a leading coach to notable female leaders and impact-driven celebrities. Amina's mastery is in connecting us to our brilliance and teaching us to live and lead from it each day. As a woman of color of Iraqi descent, she often works with marginalized communities to help them realize possibilities in a way that honors their particular lived experiences. She's known for her work around aligned leadership and supporting clients in pivoting from role models to whole models. Oh, I love that. I think she trademarked that. Love it. She's an entrepreneur magazine expert in residence. You know, we love an expert. We love an expert. Uh, A member of the Forbes Coaches Council and has been featured as an expert in Goop, Well and Good, New York Post, Yahoo, NBC, and more. And more. And more. Ooh, I can't wait. Let's bring on Amina. Bring her on. Hello, Amina. Hi, Amina. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for course. being here. We're so excited to have you on. Um, When we were like reading up about you, we were like, this is so perfect because Natalie and I, we both have chronic illnesses and we talk to each other about it all the time, but we've never really in depth talked about it on the podcast and like how it affects us showing up to our jobs and how it affects like our daily lives. And we were saying, even if someone's listening right now and maybe they don't have a chronic illness, just being a person with a uterus that bleeds every month we're like that kind of qualifies you to join the club you know like yeah totally the wild thing is actually though is 40 percent of us in the u.s actually are managing chronic illness right now so it's 133 million of us so it's the three of us plus probably most people that we know it's almost half the population is managing some form of chronic illness which is wild to think about right wow yeah i I didn't know that i did not know it was that many people can you actually do you mind like walking us through your like diagnosis journey and like the onset of your symptoms and how you've kind of managed that over time Yeah. So I had a pretty dramatic, what I call stop moment. So I was in my twenties and I was, um, running my own marketing agency and I had started my career in corporate America and very just quickly realized that that wasn't for me. So I co-founded this marketing agency, but the thing was, is I carried all of my kind of cultural, familial, societal programming into the workplace. So it was like very much into hustle culture. I had no boundaries. I was deeply codependent and I was taking care of everybody, but myself, And I remember it's about five years in and I just started to feel really terrible, like extreme lethargy, forgetfulness. Like I was like 26, 27 and had memory troubles. And then the thing that actually got me to go to the doctor is that my hair was falling out. Like I've always just had like kind of like luscious locks. And then all of a sudden Mm. I had this like bald spot right in the front. And I was like 27 years old and I have a bald spot. Like what is this (laughs) about? Something's wrong. So I went to like 
actually at the end of the day, it was seven different doctors because they were all like, nothing's really wrong with you. And I was like, no, I think that there really is something wrong. And so basically it was one Friday, I was driving out to a client and I got a call from the seventh doctor and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm driving out to this client. And she was like, no, if you don't go to the hospital, instead of going to this client, you are days away from multiple organ failure. So basically I was so malnourished and so ill from these undiagnosed conditions that I was literally at the stop moment where I had to choose, am I going to keep going the way that I'm going, or am I going to choose to live another way? So it was very dramatic, but I think I needed that drama because I wasn't paying attention until that point. Yeah. Wow. You wow. know what? It, I I feel like so many of us, when you get diagnosed with something that's chronic, you do have like kind of these dramatic diagnoses. Yeah. Like Natalie had a very similar I was going to say mine was very similar. Where it was like um, her doctors were, well, I don't need to tell your story. You can tell yeah. your story for you. Well, <laughs> they were just, they just kept saying, oh no, everything's fine. Like there's nothing wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept saying like, something's wrong. Like this cannot be right. Like there was all these problems. And then, you know, turns out I was type one diabetic and wow. my doctor called. I mean, we called her at like 10 o'clock at night and she was like, you need to go to the emergency room. And my mom was like, can we go with like in the morning? Like, this is a lot. And she's like, no, like you have to go now. Your blood sugar was like at what? Uh, it was like, uh, so at the time, like when I was admitted to the hospital, it was like a thousand and something. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Like she was. Thing. I know. Isn't I that was crazy? Like, yeah. And I didn't have a like a dramatic one like that, but I had the similar with you with going to, I went to like six different doctors before I even heard I have endometriosis, before I even heard endometriosis. And I was like, you know, anyway, so I, we, we relate to your story in that it does yeah. take a long time sometimes to get a diagnosis and you really have to advocate for yourself. And it's hard to say no to a doctor. It's hard to say you're wrong yeah. to somebody who's like, you know, has a degree and you're like, no, I know my body. I know something. And I wrong. think it's really powerful that you ha had this like almost like metaphor moment. It was like, do I continue down this path that's not serving me or do I turn around and like advocate for my body and listen to my body. I think that's super powerful. Yeah. And Corinne and I, like we, it's been so nice. And I'm sure maybe you, you have some friends that also have a chronic illness. So it's like so nice to like have somebody to relate to. When you were diagnosed, did you have like friends and family who could understand what you're going through? Or was that, how was that for you? Yeah. I also just want to underscore what you're both saying about advocacy and mm -hmm. listening to our own intuition because we know, right? We have this yes. inner voice, this inner guidance that just knows that something is up. And if there, if even like 5% of you feels like something is wrong, like please advocate for yourself because it can be so intimidating to sit there with an MD or any type of doctor that has all of this experience and is telling you that's nothing, nothing's wrong, but you know, deep inside that there is. So like, please, if you feel that, please advocate for yourself. So I just want to underscore that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. thousand percent. The community piece has been so important. So Natalie, it's really interesting to hear your story. My older sister was a type one diabetic and uh, she was diagnosed when she was eight and I was six. And so I had a, a front row seat to her experience and I didn't come to my autoimmune diagnosis until I was in my late twenties. And so we sort of had that family story around it. And my, my family was honestly the most supportive. I remember, so I have celiac disease and Hashimoto's and with the celiac disease, I remember like leaving the doctor's office being like, well, I can officially eat nothing. Like there's, there's just nothing to eat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're both gluten-free too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Totally. And so my mom was so wonderful and like went to Whole Foods with me with with like the list of foods that I could eat and like helped me like recreate these recipes and was just so supportive. And that was sort of the first step. And then as I've gotten older, I I have a big community that is sort of a chronic illness community. One of my dearest friends, her name is Nitika Chopra, and she actually has a company called Chronicon, which is a community for those navigating chronic illness, um, all about creating support and advocacy and a safe space to connect in. And it just... I think it's life shifting because I think a lot of us feel a lot of isolation around this of like, what does it mean to manage my energy? What does it mean if my brain isn't working right? What does it mean if I'm not feeling great on this day? And to have people that you can share that with, I think is just profound. Yeah. yeah the when I'm having a really bad endo flare, I, I'm, an, um, I'm part of a few Facebook groups for endometriosis and I write in there and all I say is like, hey, everyone, I'm having one of those days. Can you just send me some love? And I'll just get comments from other women. And it's different from somebody who knows, who's like just saying like hang in there or I've been there or any of that. Like from somebody else who's experienced it means so much more than like, you know, my boyfriend, he's very, you know, supportive and he can say that, but he has no idea. He has no idea. He's never out of period. Um, (laughs) And so like he has no idea what it's like. And so I I agree with you. Like community is so important like a, such an important piece of the puzzle in like healing yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, you say that you're a, a chronic illness advocate. What does that mean to you? Like what, what message do you want to, you know, share or spread? Yeah. I mean, I honestly think like even being in this body and doing this work in this lifetime is a form of advocacy. So yes. like, <laughs> there's that piece, like showing up every day and doing this job, advocacy. Yeah. And also I really want to talk about the intersection of our well-being, our mindset and our work, right? Because for most of us, we have to go to work, right? We have to earn a living. We have to show up. We have to do a thing. But what does it mean to do that in a way when we're managing chronic illness or when we don't feel 100% or when we're managing mental illness? So I think a lot of us are dealing with so much and we have to show up every day. And so how do we do that in a way that allows us to be in our fullness, to be our real selves and to be able to bring others on the journey and educate them as well? So I feel like that's really sort of a big part of my work is educating people around what it's like to move through life this way. Yeah. Well, and it is so hard. And, you know, even we have our like days where, you know, my blood sugar's off or she's having problems with endometriosis. And even if you're just on your period as a normal person here and having this week or days of you're tired, you're in pain, how do we balance that with our work and like resting because like as you said at the top this whole like grind culture it's really hard to kind of like give in you know yeah. what I mean or, or or let yourself rest when everybody else isn't He's going 24 7 and it's like but they don't have the limitations you know mm-hmm. I think two things so in my work with clients I do I, I believe we all have like what I call authentic energy codes so like we all move through life differently right so like depending on our hormones, depending if we're navigating chronic illness, like we're all just moving through life differently. So we want to get really clear on how we specifically move through life. So those of us with female hormones, we have something called the infradian rhythm. So our hormones actually shift every week. And actually the workday was designed around men's hormones. So there's that. To oh, note. I've heard of that. Of course. Yeah. 
<laughs> of course, right? <laughs> so knowing that our hormones shift every day, every week, what does that mean for us? Knowing that we might be more energized at certain times, more creative at other times, and less energized at certain times, we want to get really clear on our authentic energy code. So I always ask my clients, like, when are you most energized? When do you do your best thinking work? When do you need to rest? And then designing their work around that and then allowing space for agility, right? So it's like, we can't live by these hard and fast rules and these structures, particularly if we're navigating chronic illness, because we don't know when we might have a flare or be navigating something challenging. So, and then the second piece I think is pacing ourselves. I don't think that we really live in a world that paces, right? It's just sort of like, go, 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 go all the time. But, you know, particularly in the pandemic, I've been using this endurance metaphor with my clients of like, we're not in like a sprint, right? This is an endurance conversation. And so endurance athletes, and I had a client that was an ultra marathon runner, literally runs like marathons 24 hours a day. Oh my God. And I was talking to them and thinking like, how do you do this? And one of the things that we were talking about was pacing and conserving energy. So there are times where you can push because you can, and there are times, you know, to pull back and you know, to restore and you know, to relax. And when you think about professional athletes, right, it's like the only reason that they're able to go in. And I mean, not the only reason there's lots of reasons, but that they're able to have like such an amazing race day or whatever is because they also make space for rest and recovery because they are pacing themselves. They're not going a thousand miles an hour. And I think that that metaphor for us is so important. Like, how are we pacing ourselves? Yeah, I feel like so much of that is too is like the American culture, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like when you think of Europe, like they take siesta, you know, in Spain in the middle of the day. I remember and going to... Doesn't Paris take like the whole month of July yeah, off or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like <laughs> I remember going to Spain and wanting to go get tacos at like, you know, 12 and I like show up to this little taco place and I'm like, we are closed, ma'am. <laughs> like, we are sleeping. We are relaxing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so like, I do think a, a part of it is like the American psyche of like, yeah, like, you know, you have to be responsible for your success and it's very like individualized and like we're all against each other too right. it's yeah. just like so strange and competitive and, and yes competitive. not fun yeah. or healthy <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So you have something called the Nourishment Journal, which which is a personal development workbook where you can unearth blocks standing between you and your dreams. So how do you use the Nourishment Journal in conjunction, you know, with battling chronic illness and showing up as your best self? Yeah. So I always ask people first and foremost, like, what's the dream? Like, how do you really want to live? What do you want to transform in your life? And then what's getting in the way? So once we really understand what the dream is and what's getting in the way, we can kind of design and map towards that thing. But inside the nourishment journal, we look at all different areas of your life from your relationship to work, to your relationship to money, to your relationship to yourself, to community, et cetera. And then we look at the spaces where, so I ask you like on a scale of one to 10, like how whole, full and nourished do you feel in each of those areas? And then any area that's really below a seven, we want to look at because there's probably something there for us, right? Whether it's mindset or something that just isn't working for us and then figuring out what's really getting in the way of that thing and then mapping towards feeling really whole in that space. And if there's an area that doesn't, that isn't important to you, we throw it away. But for the most part, if there are areas that are lacking and we want to really turn the volume up on the nourishment, it's what do we need to do to move any mindset blocks out of the way to give ourselves permission to have that thing and then to show up in it consistently. Yeah. Permission is always that key well, we always, word. We always, you know what you always do for me, Nat, when I'm having an endo flare and I text you, you go, I'm giving you permission 
to lay down and not answer emails and, you know, take a nap in the middle of the day on a work day. I'm very blessed that I can do that. Yeah. But like I sometimes I do need like you to give him like, okay, Natalie said I can't do that. (laughs) Like, you know, it's so hard to gift it to yourself is the point. It's so tough. And like you were saying about like napping in the middle of the day, I wonder about people that struggle with chronic illness in a more corporate environment, like a nine to five, how do you suggest people can navigate their illness or if they're in pain, any sort of thing when they don't have that flexibility that we're so blessed to have? Yeah, truly. So I think the first thing is really knowing your rights. So knowing what is possible for you, knowing what is inappropriate and what is illegal too, because lots of times like managers, organizations try to put things on us or ask Mm. things of us that are actually not appropriate or not okay. So first of all, like knowing your rights and what's within your rights. And the second piece is like aligning your advocates and allies. So who are the people around you that maybe are not navigating what you're navigating and they're in a position of, let's say, power or privilege and they can go to bat for you. And you can have all different types of allies and sponsors inside the organization that have a bit more psychological safety or actual safety to go to bat for you around these things. So it's really important that we have our cheering squad, that we have our team inside the org that could also support us as well if we don't feel like we have the safety to do that ourselves. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's that, that's like so smart to even just like read up on what's legal and what's not, you know, yeah. like I didn't even think about that. I mean, we're very blessed that we don't have to yeah, l- work in that kind of way. Yeah. I'm curious about like we were just talking also about like energy levels and like, you know, maybe not feeling like your best. Like what is the self talk that we need to learn and it might just be back to like giving yourself permission when we're not feeling our best and like when our energy is being taken from me like what type of self-talk do we need to have in those moments yeah it's such a beautiful question i think it's definitely situational as well but what you're talking about before and it kind of connects to this question is the permission piece it's like yeah. having the confidence and giving ourselves the permission if we need to call out that day or to cancel the podcast that day or not show up for the thing that day if we know in our hearts that we lack the ability to show up in the way that we want to show up giving ourselves permission to say okay like i actually need to pause i need to take care of myself because what's in highest service for you is also in highest service for the other people around yeah, you right yeah. you always say that yes <sighs> it's tough though It's so tough tough because it's like you want to – and again, I think it's back to this like patriarchal work culture where it's like we want to be pleasing people and we want to do Mm -hmm. a good job and we're always like trying to do more and more and more. It's also like just flat out, and I just have to say, it's just not fair that as women, like we have, yes, we have to go through so much more that like our male counterparts don't have to deal with. So it's like sometimes it's hard, especially if you're in a work environment that is, you know, you're one of the few, you know, women there. Yeah, that you like, you know, you don't want to feel like you you're being held back by your own body, you know. Right. Or yeah. I wonder, have you experienced like? And I think as a woman with a chronic illness, do you feel like you kind of have to mask what's going on with you, particularly in a work sense so that you're not seen as like, oh, you know, she's flaky or needy or whatever. You know what I mean? How that kind of things can get spun that way. Yeah, for sure. And that's a problem in and of itself. So, you know, when I was first diagnosed with those 
my original autoimmune diseases, I sort of made a choice that I wasn't going to live as half of myself just because I didn't have the energy to, I couldn't be work Amina and outside of work Amina. And so I was like, this is just all of me. And so that was a very conscious choice to bring sort of wellness and well-being into my career and business coaching, because like we're not disconnected at the head and the body, right? Like we are mm-hmm. one system, we are one unit and I need to show up in the fullness of myself because me doing that gives other people permission to do the same. Like if I'm hiding this really big part of my life, I'm not giving others permission to show up in their fullness. And I think that that's not fair to them. And so it's also exhausting to pretend that I don't live this way, right? Like yeah. this is my reality. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, if you're, if you're going to be in community with me, you're going to know about it. And so I think that there are, you know, conditions and containers and spaces where it doesn't always feel like it's safe to lead with that, but this is my identity. And I've lived before denying parts of myself. And it's partly what I believe had me express those autoimmune conditions. So there's no way that I'm denying my truth around it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I love what you said about you showing up as your fullest self gives permission to other people to do so. You know, like we're kind of breaking the barriers when you come forward. You're like, hey, this is my reality. And someone's like, oh my God, thank God you yeah. said something because this is my reality. And I, you know, I'm putting up a mask. And like, you know, you, you were saying at the top, like, was it 40% of Americans, yeah. you know, are yeah. living with chronic illness? And like, I really only know Natalie that, yeah. you know, in my close circle. And I'm just, it's, it makes me curious. Like, who else is someone? I I know maybe very personally that is struggling and just needs me to open up more. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's such a beautiful question. And I think about this often too. Like I had a dear friend who, until I was really talking a lot about my chronic illness, I didn't know that they had epilepsy and they were going through life with epilepsy. And it wasn't something that they talked about because of that shame, because of that stigma. I think the more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize it, we release the shame. This is the body that we're in in this lifetime. Yeah. And that's part of that advocacy work because that's the only way things will change. Yeah. You know, once it's like, because none of us want to be at work, exhausted, in pain. Like nobody wants to do that. It takes people to stand up for themselves and say, I'm not doing this. Yeah. For other people to go, oh, okay, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. You know? And going back to what you were saying, Corinne, before about like, you know, it's challenging to have a uterus, to to have these female hormones, right? I I had said to my therapist recently, I was like, oh, like, what would be possible for me? Like, if if I had male hormones, like, oh, what would gosh. be possible? Like, <laughs> if I didn't have these chronic illnesses and I oh, like God. had different hormones. And so I think it's it's the responsibility of those people that maybe have healthy body privilege or are living in a position of privilege or power to support us in that way, right? They have a different experience in this lifetime than us, and so it's. I think part of their work to stand up for us, to shine a light on it, to create spaces that are supportive for all bodies. Us. Yes. To believe us. <laughs> to oh believe my gosh. Us, you know? At the bare minimum. Yes. Yeah. Nobody like wants to not feel well. Like yeah. nobody loves that. You talk a lot about like nourishment. Like when we were researching you, like there's just so much about nourishment. And I'm curious about what's the difference between, in, in your eyes, the difference between rest and nourishment and can you explain how that plays a role in burnout and also healing our bodies and our minds yeah so rest i think of as a pause nourishment i think of really as holistic so like what are all the ways in our lives that we are filling ourselves up so that we can show up in the way that we want to show up and so i think about it as you know our financial nourishment our workplace nourishment our relationship to ourselves our communities our bodies the thoughts that we have in our head, all of those allow us to either feel really great and show up fully, or they can be detractors. So we want to really understand 
what we need to turn the volume up on in terms of nourishment for ourselves, because I believe that nourishment's a conduit to clarity, right? When we are taking care of ourselves in a way that is true for us, we can be the people that we came here to be. And in terms of burnout, I mean, burnout, wow, what a topic. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Especially now, right? We're more burned out than we've ever been. And the World Health Organization officially recognizes it as a real workplace phenomenon. Oh, wow. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. But I also think that workplaces don't know what to do about it, right? And I think that we're actually entering kind of a labor workplace revolution. We haven't had a revolution in the context of work in over 100 years, and we really need one because life is very different. We have very different folks in work than we did 100 years ago. We're living in very different bodies, and we need to really overhaul this because sort of this hustle culture, this like capitalistic patriarchal way of running businesses is dehumanizing, and it's not in, really in, it's in support of very few people. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder, too, because I feel like and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I've read statistics that there's more chronic illness, like kind of as years have gone, the number gets bigger and bigger. And I almost wonder if it's due to burnout and because you're so stressed. Yeah. You know, and I think that stress is such a huge, I mean, factor. In yeah, all of this. if I'm stressed out, my blood sugar gets all crazy. What did I just say? Oh, I was like, oh, I got a kinker sore. And you were like, it's probably because of stress. I was like, yeah, I've never had one before. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's like, if we could all slow down, would we all also just be in a healthier body? Mm-hmm. You a know? beautiful question. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> You have a signature program that I want to talk about called the Radical Up Level. So it's a three-month coaching container that helps entrepreneurs up-level their work and their lives. How have your experiences with chronic illness affected the material that you teach within that container? Yeah, dramatically. So basically everything that I'm sharing or ever teaching is based on my lived experience. So like part of the reason I became an entrepreneur is because I didn't feel fully expressed or fully taken care of in the context of a corporate role. And, you know, even how I arrived at my teachings was because of navigating chronic illness. Like even when I was talking about those authentic energy codes and managing our energy, like I wouldn't have that piece of the curriculum if I wasn't in this body. And so it's dramatically affected it. But I think it's relatable to everybody because to your point and what we've been talking about it's we want to live at a different pace. We don't want to expend ourselves or exchange our bodies for success, right? We're really kind of moving in a different direction where that's just not available for us anymore. Yeah. It's we gotta slow down too. I now. know we've I gotta just, slow down. Like we have to practice what we preach. I was just thinking <laughs> in my head, like what's that? I think it's Gandhi that says, um, be the change you wish to be in the world. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I was just thinking even like Instagram stresses me out. Like my for work, like yeah. having to post things on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, I should just not. <laughs> you know? You don't need to be like stressed about it. Right. Like, but I think other people feel the same pressure. No, they do, they do for sure. So we all need to just let ourselves chill out. So maybe we'll have to sign up for Amina's course. I feel like we need to sign up for your course. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amina, for coming on and speaking with us. This is a conversation we've wanted to have for a long time. And thank you for the work that you're doing and your, you know, coaching and and also just talking and being vulnerable about your own challenges and your own story. I mean, again, when you share it, it, it helps other people. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful for the two of you for also sharing. Like we said, it gives others permission. We destigmatize. We allow them to show up as who they are. Yeah. And we'll link to everything you're doing in our show notes for our listeners so they can connect with you. And if you want to sign up for her courses, you can go ahead and do that. Or get the journal. Or the journal. The journal. You you offer so many things. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll link to everything in our show notes. But thank you so much, Amina. 
Thank you. So great to be with you both. Have a great rest of your day. Me too. Wow. Loved that conversation. Oh, oh yeah. I love her. I'm so happy we had her on. Yeah, me too. And we could talk about, you know, our journeys. And it's Mm -hmm. something we talk about all the time, but I'm glad we could, like, bring to the potty. Yes. You know what I mean? I agree. Okay. So let's circle back on this. What are we drinking now? We're drinking the Hitching Post Hometown Pinot Noir. It's 2020. It's California. It's a little bottle, which is cute. And do you want to talk about our hottie? Oh, yeah. Our hottie is Miss Selena Gomez. Mm -hmm. Because if you guys don't know, Selena Gomez has an autoimmune disease. She has lupus. Yeah. And she's thriving. She's She's making albums. She's making TV shows. She's doing her thing. I think she was nominated for an Emmy recently, right? Oh, for um, Only Murders in the the Building. I loved that show. I thought it was so funny. I got to watch it. I got to watch it. Oh, my gosh. Nah, you wouldn't love it. Oh, really? Do you like Steve Martin? I feel like you love Steve Martin. I don't really know too much Steve Martin. Oh, you would like it. You okay. would like this I'll a give lot. it a shot. It's it's up your alley. Okay. So one, two, Miss Cell. Miss Cell. Mm. What are we thinking? It's okay. I'm going to give it a four. I was going to give it a five. Four and a half. Four and a half out of Selena. Four and a half out of Miss Selena. It's Gomez. not bad. It's just. It's not bad. It's just. Eh. It's just nothing to like scream about. No. Yeah. That's a very average. All right, this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And this week, we're doing Unpopular Opinion. Unpopular Opinion. Still really <laughs> looking for somebody to send us um, a song. A song. Yes. We're holding out. love to play it. Okay, now, so what is your unpopular opinion? My unpopular opinion is, and I feel like ladies, ladies. Will, will disagree with me on this. Because it seems to be like a... Like a ladies like this a lot. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. Chocolate. Oh, I was gonna say you're gonna say your other one, but I won't say it. Pasta. Oh, You've already said that. I think one. I've said that. Okay, one. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like pasta that much. I think vanilla is better than chocolate. Like if I'm getting a dessert, if somebody says, "Do you want vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream?" I'm going vanilla. Okay. Well, there's so many layers to this. Chocolate whoa. cake. I'm gonna pass. Whoa, 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 whoa! There's so many layers to this. There's so many layers to this. I agree with you okay. in the terms of sometimes baked goods, but you, I think overall, like you wouldn't, do you not like a little dark chocolate square? Oh my God. Like mm. a little dark chocolate square? No. <gasps> I'd rather have like gummy, like a gummy candy or something. I guess I like M&M's. I mean, I like like Halloween candy chocolates, but oh like God, I love those. chocolate like desserts, like the flavor of chocolate, or um, oh, what about like a like, like a lava cake? I prefer just the ice cream. <gasps> I mean, I like the like the lava part, like with the ice cream, like the chocolate mixed yeah. in with the ice cream. Mm-hmm. But like, I wouldn't order the lava cake. Interesting. And beyond that, like if I go like to get a smoothie or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, you can put a protein powder in it," like you can put chocolate. I do not put. No, it. no, no. I get what you're saying in that sense. Yeah, because it's a overpowering. Chocolate. So you have to decide what it's good for. Right. It is better in like little pops, like a chocolate chip cookie. Oh yeah, love a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, yeah. You can pop a chocolate. But that's not like a chocolate. Like I would rather have a chocolate chip cookie over a brownie. I love a brownie. I know I do too. A, f- a warm brownie. Interesting. With it is unpopular. It is an unpopular That's what I'm opinion. Saying. I feel like the ladies, we, we love chocolate, but I just, it's, I don't think it's as, I think vanilla is better, personally. 
unpopular. Unpopular. Okay, yes. okay. I have an unpopular opinion. I've, I've briefly mentioned this, but I'd like to go more in depth. Okay. And this one, actually, people might come for my neck. Oh. And I'm being real about this. Okay. McDonald's fries are aight. Aight. <sighs> There's a lot of other fries that I like better. I love a waffle fry. I love Burger King fries. I love a, um, a potato wedge. I love, there are a lot of things I love more than McDonald's fries. Here's my question. Because, of course, you know, I, I also, it is unpopular. because I, I like a tater tot. <sighs> I love <laughs> McDonald's fries. They're my favorite fry, in my opinion. What is it about the McDonald's fries that you don't like? Okay, here, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Okay. When I think of a McDonald's fry, I don't think of the best part of the fry. I think of that last little crispy motherfucker oh, at the, the bottom. Oh, the little chunk, the little ones at the bottom that uh, are left like over. Sharp? Yes. Oh, I hate those things. I don't mind those. You don't mind those little motherfuckers at the bottom? No. Oh, my God. Because they're it. so, it's basically a chip. I don't like that thing. And so that's what I associate with McDonald's fries. I don't know why. There might be a childhood trauma in there okay. about that. Maybe. So it's less about the flavor and more about the experience. It's more of, yeah, it's less of the flavor and it's more of the little bits. Okay. I hate the little bits. Okay. But like a Burger King fry, they don't have the little bits because they're right. all thick cut. Right. I love a waffle fry. You like a thick wedge. Yeah, I don't, I need it thick because I can't have any, it cannot splinter off into a little thing that's going to like chip the top of my mouth. <laughs> like I just can't have that. Okay. There's too much of a risk with the McDonald's fry. I see what you mean. <laughs> you know what you might also really like is, uh, have you had Arby's fries? Oh, yes. The curly fries? Yeah, that, so that's oh, what I'm saying. That's my, my God, wheelhouse. Me up. You know, with the seasoning on it. Oh, those are so but that's kind of where I like to live. Yeah. And that feels safe to me. Yeah. And I'm not going to get hit with a little little prickly bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's every, you know, there's a and lid for every pot. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> McDonald's, that, hey, you're I'm not, not going to turn down a large McDonald's fry. Right. And I want that clear. Right. I'm just letting you know that if I had an Arby's or a, or a, a burger, a BK, a BK, I might go that way. All and right. that's unpopular. I think that is unpopular. And we'll put these on the stories, you guys, yeah. for chocolate and fries. And McDonald's fries. And you guys can weigh in on your opinion as well. Um, am I doing this right? Pod on Instagram. On Instagram. And you guys, don't forget, if you guys like our show, you can rate and review the podcast. We're actually going to start reading some of our reviews yeah. on the on the oh, yeah. on the potty. We'll make sure to start doing that. Mm -hmm. But you guys, we'll be back next we'll week. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Love you guys. Love you.